This is episode 110 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Welcome to episode 110 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. Today, I have Mark Loeffler on the show. Mark is on the show for the second time. He was on around episode 50, talking about his 180-unit portfolio. Well, now Mark is making some changes. So his joint venture partner is asking to be bought out, and Mark is working through the motions to sell off the entire portfolio. He's looking at selling the entire $27 million of the portfolio that he holds with this investor, which he's held with that investor for five years. And Mark's expecting to make about $3 million after tax on this transaction. So it's kind of like a happy and not happy transaction in that he's happy that he's going to make some very good investment capital that he can redeploy. But of course, there's always that uh, sadness when you have to part with real estate that you enjoy to have in your portfolio. So Mark is a wealth of knowledge. We've slowly became friends after we initially met the first time he came on this podcast. We've done regular monthly updates on Mark's YouTube channel. So he's a wealth of knowledge. I encourage you to check him out on his YouTube channel as well if you have not already done so. And uh, just a quick reminder, make sure that if you're new to this podcast and you're hearing terminology that you don't understand or that's new to you, uh, we have progressed over time and we don't break down the basics quite as much as we used to. So if you're new and fresh and you want to get a really good grasp on all the terminology that we use and all the basics and the fundamentals, head right back to episode one and I promise you that it will become a lot more clear. If you haven't already done so, make sure you hit the like, subscribe and notification bell and go ahead and leave me a comment if you're watching on YouTube. If you're listening on the audio, version be sure to leave me a rating and review on apple podcast it just helps more people to find this show and helps more people to create freedom in their lives so without further ado please enjoy episode 110 with mark loffler hello and welcome to the andrew hines real estate investing podcast i have on the show for the second time mark loffler mark thanks for being here thanks for having me slash thanks for having me at your place you're welcome yeah i get to host today this is uh so if you guys don't uh recognize the background it's because yeah, yeah. Yeah. That means you haven't been on my YouTube channel. That's yeah. what that means. Yeah. If, if you watch Mark's YouTube <laughs> channel, you'll you'll recognize this. Last time you were on, you were at like 180 units in Hamilton and uh, doing a little bit of the stock hacking. We're going to talk about all that stuff uh, in more. But uh, why don't you just tell me what's what's new, what's happening right now? What's new is uh, we're selling 140 units right now. So is that that's the bulk of your portfolio? Well, I mean, yeah, we're going to be down to yeah around 40 units after that. 40 units left. Uh, what's the big driver? Why are you doing that? Uh, partner says sell. He's the money guy. Um, I could have bought him out. It just didn't make economic sense. Uh, from my perspective, I could have, um, done a shotgun yet. If I, the price I wanted to shotgun him at, he probably would just paid me out and it would have left me a million and a half to $2 million short as if I just sold the properties. So I said, no, at this stage in my life, a million and a half to $2 million, I'd rather have that than not. So let's just go ahead and sell the property. So that'll be what you pull out of of that. Is that after tax, you figure? After tax, it'll probably be three to three and a half. Three to three and a half mil? million, yeah. That's a, that's a good chunk that you can put put to work. Yeah, it's a good chunk that I can put to work. And that's what I looked at, right? And, you know, not bad for five years worth yeah. of effort and not none of my own money. So five years of effort, none of your own money, and you're getting to pull out that much. Yeah. That's pretty wild. Let's call it three mil after tax. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty amazing. So... Tell me what you're thinking next. Like, what, where do you see that money getting going to better work? And, and actually, maybe in that answer, tell me why you didn't see leaving it there or buying him out as being a good option. Well, I, the price that I think I can get on the market, mm-hmm. uh, I didn't want to pay. 
Yeah. I still have the option to buy the, the, the properties uh, at the highest bid. So today, for instance, we're selling a 22 unit. If we get an offer and I think it's too low or I think I, for that price, I'd rather buy it, I can just go ahead and buy that building. Yeah. And at that price. And then it comes out of the portfolio at that price. So is that something that you guys had written into your JV agreement or you have a shareholders agreement? We on? have a shareholder agreement and JV agreement. Yeah. yeah. And then we just agreed in the sale process that if either of us wanted to just go ahead and buy the asset after at that yeah. price, we both could. Yeah. And I'm guessing you guys are still on good terms and just yeah. trying to, to work towards a an outcome that you're both on board with here. Yeah. And for him, the sale, it wasn't about like our relationship or anything like that. It's more of a, it was starting to become an inconvenience for him, just an inconvenience for him. People kept calling him. He's like, listen, I can go lend out this money at 10%. I get no phone calls. I have no hassles. Yeah. You know, we bought the last property we bought on 20 Duke, like a retaining wall collapsed. We have, we had fire in there. We had building inspection and he's like, yeah, seems to be getting a lot of work. And I'm like, all right, well, I'm doing it all, but it's yeah, okay. I was about to say, aren't you the guy doing it? Yeah, but he still gets all the letters. He still gets the calls because he's the president of the corp. So, so it's uh, it's his stress. There's no way to get to to get that uh, to change. Like, I mean, you can be the the mailing on everything, right? Yeah. the The difference is, well, we'd have to take him off all the mortgages and everything. Yeah, so as long as he's on that, he's his net worth greatly contributes to the fact that we can buy buildings differently because yeah. the bank likes him a lot. Oh, okay. Like they like me, but they like him a lot. Yeah, they'll do they'll do special things. So yeah, like we got seventy five percent financing, not dependent on um, income. So whatever the appraised value is, we got seventy five percent for our first six or seven properties. And that's pretty unheard of. Yeah, I've never seen it before. Yeah, no one really does that because, well, I guess you know, from the bank standpoint, they don't want it reliant on you. Yeah. Because if it's not reliant on the building, then it's reliant on you as the individual. So I guess they're comfortable relying on him. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess it is his stress. That makes sense. Do you see that as a negative uh, when you get into joint ventures, knowing that one day somebody might surprise you with that? I think maybe the thing is, is not to like, obviously, he was a big portion of my portfolio. Um, maybe what I would have done differently is had brought in other partners i was felt loyal to him like okay he's funding everything and to be honest it was easy like don't Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong it was super easy i didn't have to work very hard because i knew i had the money right on that side i didn't have to go call and follow up or do anything for for the money and you know and i was kind of i obligated myself to say yeah if i get a deal i'm going to bring it to you first yeah which i didn't need to do yet at the end of the day that's what i did well, obviously that, that builds goodwill, right? So that's why he wants to deal with you. And I think that that's, you know, anyone I've dealt with for money, like I, I always prioritize them, right? Yeah, hey, you've worked with me since the beginning. You get the first call. So you'll always get the first option. I think people appreciate that and it makes them more wanting to do the business. Exactly. But now you're in the position you're in and you're, you're selling it all. And I guess it's a happy, a happy uh, conclusion because you're going to pull some good money out of that. Well, it's so funny though. Like you talked to, like I talked to like other real estate investors like, oh man, that sucks. I'm like, does it? Like I get a nice check, yeah. Um, and I can now go and buy either apartment buildings without a partner, yeah. Or I can do different things like with that money. And I know we're going to yeah. talk about that, but it, it's you know, it, it life happens. It's what happens, what you do with it, right? So yeah. this event is happening. Maybe I'll still retain some of the buildings. Maybe I won't. Um, at the end of the day, it's it's fine either way. Yeah. 
And yeah, I'm pretty much easy either way that happens. So yeah, let's talk. I mean, because these are big acquisitions. I mean, I think a lot of people would, would really be into being in the situation you were in. And even if it concludes with you got to sell and make $3 million, I mean, that's, that's good. Yeah. Um, you know, of course, we want to hold on to real estate long term. How did you find this investor that you're working with? Where did that relationship come from? Golf course. Golf course. That's why you got to have that golf membership. Yeah. <laughs> okay. He's actually not even a member of my golf course. We met at a tournament somewhere. And he then- just went to a tournament and, and met him. And what's the angle here? Like, what was your value add proposition to an investor that you found? Uh, my value add was, well, obviously I was doing, I was doing the management. I was doing everything. Uh, also, obviously finding the assets, mm-hmm. which, I mean, you talk to 90% of people who want to invest in, in apartment buildings and they say they can't find assets. Yeah. Whereas I have no trouble finding those assets. And then, you know, obviously yeah. it's, so he couldn't have done this on his own, basically. So you have a, like kind of a pre-conversation, hey, I get these from time to time. Is that something you're interested in? Do you want me to bring it to you if I find something or when I find something? Well, the conversation basically went, we met at the golf course. He's like, I'm interested in what you guys do. It was me and my partner, one of my um, employees at the time or sales reps, whatever you want to call them. And so I was like, okay, let's have a coffee. So we had a coffee at Starbucks. It was me, my sales guy and, and him. And it basically went, well, this is what we do. We help people either two ways, help buy apartments, set it all up. Um, you know, they can put their own management team and do all that type of stuff. Or we manage that whole process. And then, you know, whatever investor money is in there is registered as a second mortgage on the corporation or the property, whatever. It doesn't matter. At zero interest. And then we split the profits 50-50. Yeah. Well, so on your financial statements, the money he puts in is a loan to the company. That's correct. It's got to be. Okay. So secured against the company and then you will even secure it against the property inside the corp. Yeah. But ultimately, at the end of the day, you would need both signatures to sell a property out of that corp, would you not? Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't really, that's probably an unnecessary step with that part, but just an extra layer of comfort for, for your investor. Yep. Okay. So you, you position it to him that way. Do you see being a real, real, realtor as being a big angle there that helped you do it? I don't know. I don't I don't think so. I think just more of the fact that I well, I mean some of the stuff was on market, right? Like yeah. some of the stuff we got on market and then we developed relationships with some other realtors after um and they brought us more stuff. Um I think just being a good buyer mm-hmm. that I was willing to pay good prices and when we did a deal, it closed. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. See, that's the thing. I know we've talked about this before. Like, it's not like you're scooping stuff for way under market. You're you're scooping good assets that you know have upside. Yeah. And you're not doing from our last conversation. You're not doing the aggressive kick everybody out and turn it all over on day one. Well, no. I mean, that's the thing. We didn't. We never had the crew to do that, right? Because we were acquiring a lot. So, yeah. I mean, like last year we did what uh, almost sixty or seventy units. This year was only twenty nine. Uh, but still, you know, that 29 units, we have eight vacancies right now. Mm-hmm. So it's just working through that. And, you know, we're starting to see turnover in other buildings. So we we never really needed to just go out and yeah. kick people out because we had a big enough portfolio that people just left naturally. So this kind of relies on finding an investor with deep enough pockets that they don't need that burr model where you just pull everything back out. Um, like when you position something like this to them, 
what are you telling them like as a forecast? Yeah, the goal is to have all their money back within two to four, within four years. Within four years. So we'll go in, we'll slowly turn them over, market will do its thing. We'll get you your money back when it refi. Yeah, basically we go in, we buy first year, we get an interest only mortgage. Uh, we'll refinance after that year, mm-hmm. um, put it into a fixed mortgage, take a, another one year term on that. After the end of that one, we'll go ahead and put a two-year term on it after yeah. refinancing again. And Are there any guarantees in that uh, that arrangement? No guarantees. So you just said, this is what we're aiming to do. This is what the market's been doing. Yeah. Can you really see it stopping? Well, this is the goal, yeah. right? Yeah. So here, here's what the rents are now. Here's what we can get them to mm-hmm. on purchase. And I mean, yeah. the one we bought four years ago when we were renting a two-bedroom, it was twelve ninety-five, and now we're getting we're getting seventeen hundred, yeah. right? So like that just increases the value even more. So if you were trying to convince me when when you come in, I say I got all the money. What would you say to me to make me want to do that deal? Like say one of these, pick pick one in your head that you've you've done. Yeah, I just say Andrew. Here here's one that we did. Uh, we refinanced in two years and we pulled out more than all of our money plus our our capital expenses. You know, do you want to own an asset like this with none of your own money within two to four years? Okay. So then that gives them the chance to re- to do it over again. Yeah. You think you'd have the opportunity to sell them on just a return? Say, hey, you know, some people have too much money that they need to place, right? So they don't necessarily want it back, right? They want it earning a return. And I've thought about that and we were talking about that. The problem, it comes down to the valuation. Um, so that's why I have the opportunity now to buy these properties out um, at the at the high yeah. price, right? So I, I had an opportunity to, like I could have shotgunned it and I had the money to shotgun it. Mm-hmm. It just, again, what I needed to shotgun it at and the pricing I was getting my money at on that, I don't think it made sense yeah. and I, I would have left money on the table and if he had you know because in a shotgun he can turn it around back on me yeah you could buy it from you so you don't you don't want to underprice it otherwise he'll just take it from you okay so i mean in that in that specific case it obviously makes sense i mean you would have do you think you would have been in a cash negative position if you had paid what market's willing to pay yeah with the cost of money i had yeah 100 percent. yeah yeah and that's never any fun no Okay, so investor, when they come in, what was their expectation? Like they were, they were expecting, the, you know, this one in particular that you're selling today. Um, was he expecting to make cash flow? Was he expecting that you would be taking anything out of this before he got his money back? Like, what were the expectations there? So the expectation was zero cash flow. I, I said any cash flow we do get gets thrown back into the business, yeah. renovations, whatever. Um, the ex- uh, second expectation was he got all his money back before I ever made a dime. So you get nothing until he gets all his money back. Yep. Okay. What kind of funding account did you have? Like what, what did you fund the account with up front for unknowns? Um, like did you raise more than the down payment is what I'm asking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You had down like, payment, closing costs, plus like three months of rent or three months of mortgage payments. What did you do? Um, so here we did a little differently on all of them. We bought them all cash. Oh, okay. So you bought them cash and then you refinanced them. And then refinanced them. So we really didn't need that operating um, thing because basically the first couple of months generated that um, the cash to renovate. the cash no not to renovate we had the renovation budget in okay um, for the first couple of units and then mm-hmm. we would just go ahead and pull money in or we'd refinance something and you know we get two million dollars and we'd leave half a million dollars in to renovate or something like that okay so so if you're buying something for two mil or sort of 1.5 mil, you might actually have 2 mil raised all up front. 500 goes into the account to fund all your renovation turnover. Yep. 
Um, so you might now would you raise for units that you didn't know for sure were turning over or if you had three vacant you'd raise the money for three vacant no i'd raise for money that's not so if it wasn't that partner yeah all my renovation costs would be included so all eight units if it was an eight unit Mm -hmm. you well that that's nice to sit on that pile of cash but then you're waiting right you're just waiting and it's inefficient so that's when I would go ahead and I would kick people out or not kick people out, but ask people gently to leave with here's some money, right? Yeah. Um, whereas like we could be patient because the money was sitting in his account. He was doing other things with it. Yeah. And I would just say, hey, we kind of need to put some money in for renovations. And he'd say how much and the next day it would show up. Okay. So so you had a very good understanding. You knew it wasn't going to go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's critical because that's something i wouldn't feel comfortable doing with on early on like if you had a long track record with that person you knew they weren't gonna you know hold money back i mean at the beginning we put extra money in on our first deal and then you know that went really well again we pulled out all our money and then we did another two or three deals right away and just consistently over time bought more so okay so yeah if you knew it was you know two million um of purchase and improvement you're raising two million and and gonna try and do it all cash pretty well every time I wouldn't do that typically. Yeah. Uh, it just happened to be with this investor that that was the easiest and it made us the strongest, right? Like yeah. we were basically, you know, going in and buying properties and we could say, yeah, we can close in 30 days. Yeah. Whereas anybody doing bank financing can't close in 30 days. Well, that's not realistic, uh, especially not in this market. No. I don't think. Um, no. I think you're coming in cash or private mortgages or a combo, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of people can scrap together what they need through, you know, private mortgages here and there. And But when you buy a $6.6 million portfolio, hard, you know, hard to scrap uh, it then. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, and that's what you're selling right now? 6.6, you figure? It's um, anywhere from 27 to 29 million. That's not small. No. <laughs> But I think I think the obvious uh, question here is, why aren't more people approaching big real estate the way you've approached it here? Why? Like, because that's very uncommon. I don't hear anybody telling talking these numbers. The arrangement makes sense totally, but why do you think more people aren't doing that? Well, at the end of the day, it's expensive money. Um, if I had just gone ahead and you know board. Um, board privately maybe i wouldn't have been able to grow as fast i mean there are a lot of people out there doing it um i know a lot of people that i talk to now are would rather borrow private money than have the partner than have the partner but on something so big like to me that's where i would i would change my tune on that because it's a lot of running around or scrounge up that private money to do something so big it is um there are individuals out there that will just do it for you um a lot of people out there are doing i'll say like a pref rate with less um ownership so like an eight percent prep rate uh with 25 percent ownership not 50 okay, 50 so they'll lend you the money and then yeah okay yeah and, and it's better for them because it's not um it's not a loan so it's you know it's they're getting equity yeah so they have a better tax treatment on it too okay um so uh, there i mean here's the thing there's dozens and dozens of ways to do it mm-hmm. uh there are a lot of people out there doing 50 50 joint ventures on, on stuff like this and um but that's not a bad deal like my, my point is i think that's a it's a good deal when you're doing I mean, something it's a great so big deal. yeah yeah i mean here's I mean, the thing like any way you can skin it yeah you can get yourself into it yeah i think it's worth it right on the big buildings to me it is on the small ones i just don't feel like it is well you can just turn them quicker right so in six yeah. months you can pay out a private lender you can yeah you know, and, and something like that, you can, you know, your uncle who has his house paid off can lend you the money to do the deal. He's borrowing yeah. at 3%. You're paying him 6 to 
Yeah, he's making some money. And everybody yeah. wins, right? Uh, where in this, obviously, it's a longer time frame. It's, yeah. And that's why I never borrowed the private money. And that's why I opted yeah. to sell, rather, because that's what I would have had to do. Yeah, like what you've proposed here is 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 really what I would need to do in order to feel comfortable with a deal like that. Because when I know that you're bleeding, when you're net cash negative, um, and you, you don't know when your tenants are going to leave, there's so many uncertainties there. There's a lot of things that could keep you up at night. Yeah. And uh, I wouldn't want that. So it's nice to know you got an investor. You guys can both have faith. You know new units will naturally turn over. And then you also know that you can grease the wheels a little bit. and, and If help. you need to, yeah. If you need to, right? So uh, was there an expectation from your partner in terms of how fast you get stuff turned over? Or you just said four years and you, you yourself knew that that was lots of time? Yeah, I just know that four years is an abundance of time. And, yeah. and this. people leave for whatever reason. But there's always a couple out. of life, lifers. Like what percentage is just not going to leave in a four years? You say that though. And then like we thought we had a lifer and she was, I don't know, she was 78. Yeah. And like last year she said, oh, we got, I got into uh, this, this retirement home or this old age home. We're like, oh, well, I mean, she was a great tenant. Like, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Like, get great tenant. And, and we're like, oh, well, we'll help you move. You just tell us when. We'll arrange some mover. Like, we, like we'll help you out, right? Like, we'll get it all done. And, mm-hmm. you know, because she was a great tenant. And yet she was paying like $600, maybe 500 and something. She'd been there since like 1982. Wow. Like, you look at my rent roll now, I have a 1984 on there, right? Like, it's at some point that person's going to move. They will. Um it's just for, I mean, I know for me, like that, that one person might give me a little bit of anxiety because, because I know that the building should be worth more and I'll want to get that value. But I guess, again, when you take the private money out of the equation, the stress and anxiety and the need to do that kind of go away too. hundred percent. I'll be honest with you. I mean, uh, like I'm not, not that I'm not big on paying people to leave. I, I definitely have done it in the past. It's at the end of the day, if they say no or whatever, like they, they can't find a place to rent for that price anymore. I, and I get it, right? Yeah. Like, it, it, and at the end of the day, if I renovate, it was a 22 unit. If I renovate 21 out of 22 units, yeah. Oh, your, I your think it'll be there. okay. And yeah. at the end of the day, if you think inflation is going up 10%, mm-hmm. then you're almost better off waiting for that person to, to leave on their own yeah. ability because now you're going to get 2000 or $2,500 oh, yeah. for rent. And then, then you're going to lament the people you rented to five years ago at twelve hundred dollars, not seventeen hundred dollars. Of course, <laughs> yeah. I like the uh, I like the you know it, the idea that it will take care of itself. You don't need to force it, and and I think when you put yourself in that position to need to force it, you know, you have to deal with what comes with that. And I just, I would prefer not to. I think the biggest lesson in any type of investing you're doing going to do is patience. Yeah, patience. the more patient you are. Yeah. The, the more you're going to win. That's just not the way I started this business. <laughs> Couldn't be patient. Had to happen now. I mean, but it, I needed to. I was paying crazy money. Same, 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 same with me. When I started this, like, I, like, there was no patience. Like, yeah. it was like, okay, boom, do it. Do, do. Got to get it done. But all the numbers worked, right? Yeah. Like, the stuff I was buying, I was buying duplexes in Newmarket. I was buying, you know, yeah. in Toronto. I wasn't even in Hamilton yet. And But the numbers worked. Like, they were the crazy numbers. Like, now, when you look at things, you, you have to look at surface value and say they don't work, except if you're not financing them. And then I guess it works. If you're buying them cash, then yeah. it's all it's all, you know, sort of profit, so to speak. Well, I mean, to be honest, like, I ran the numbers on my channel. So I don't know if you watch that one, the 22 unit for sale one on my channel. And, you know, I ran it, uh, you know, one four point five million this the building, which is just a little over two hundred thousand dollars a unit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I showed how you could get your money back within four years. 
I'm going to have to check that one out. I haven't seen that one yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, talk me through what to expect in Hamilton right now, because I know that's your main playground. Yeah, I mean, in this space or what space? Well, in the multi space. I mean, everybody and their dog wants a multi. I know you had Mark Mark on the show not too long ago. I think they were talking about that as well. But, yeah, Mark and Mike, yeah. Yeah, what, uh, what should people be expecting? I mean, if you're buying something that has lift, you're paying three to three and a half cap. Three to three and a half cap. I almost I don't even pay attention to the cap rates anymore because the rents are so outdated yeah. on some of these buildings. So I'm more thinking price, price per, per unit. unit. Yeah. So minimum you're one eighty five mm-hmm. um, on the market, or that's a special deal. No, that's all. Like you can get stuff on the market. Like I think we're going to sell one of ours. We have an offer on one of ours at one eighty seven five a door. Uh, that's for thirty two units, and it's uh, you know it's a good building, but it's a little rougher right now. Is there um, parking with that? Like, can you do you expect price, parking at that price point typically? Yeah, yeah, it's, there's yeah. parking on that one. What about these crazy buildings where it's like terrible and they're asking two hundred? Are they just are they just over asking? Or? So the smaller the building, right? The yeah. more price per unit. Yeah. Um, obviously, concrete construction raises that price. Um, like a brick would go would go for more as well, or so. Like if you have wood frame, it's going to go brick, less. Yeah, it's less. Okay. Um, you know, so you might get something mm-hmm. like. 165 170 a door it, it just depends on how many units you're buying right now um i mean obviously you know if we get 200 a door for the portfolio that's you know gives us 2.8 million i think we're going to be a little bit less than that but that's okay yeah. what kind of cap rate are you figuring your stuff is going to sell at like ballpark and this will come out after so don't yeah, worry. Oh, i don't yeah. care anyways three and a quarter to three and a half three and a quarter three and a half so that's the kind of completed cap rate that people can sort of expect on a 20 plus building so here's the thing like well the only complete we only have one completed building it's a nine unit and we've renovated all the units yeah so there's no upside in rents on that that'll probably sell as a four and a quarter so yeah that's what i was trying to get at when there's no upside and there are buyers at that but there's upside like even our 22 unit which we've refinanced since we bought it five years ago four years ago i don't remember um you know we've refinanced it and we've pulled out of all of our money already yet it's still there's 60 percent upside in rents yeah well, and that, that's going to keep happening. Like, even when we say there's no upside because you've already turned it over, there still is. Oh, yeah. Because the market's just being the market well, that, I, that I, Canadian market is. I renovated a, a unit four years ago, and I got 1300 for a two-bedroom, which was unheard of at the time. Yeah. And now it's 1700 Yeah. So that's, what, 30%? Yeah. The last few years have just been unprecedented, and uh, it's, hard, it's hard to fully understand what has happened, what's driven that. Well, I mean... I don't know if you want to talk about that, but I mean, it's not going to go down either, right? Like, it's... yeah, well, well, I do, I do want to talk about it. Like, I'm curious what you think. What was the driving factor over the last, say, when did it really kick off? 2016 end, start 2017. Rents went through the roof. Property values across Canada really seemed to just go nuts. So a lot of it is, you know, so in Hamilton in particular, they're not creating any more multifamily. Like, there's no purpose-built rentals anymore, right? So basically. Hamilton in general needs about 900 rental units per year to be added to the mix to be able to keep up with demand. At most, the best years they've had are three to 350 rental units. So you continue to keep not including those rental units. And, you know, obviously they need to keep 900 per year just to maintain. Mm -hmm. That's not to get ahead of the situation. That's to maintain. So every year you get a bigger, bigger deficit. So there's more people looking for fewer um, properties. Therefore, price yeah. goes up. Yeah, the actual and, situation. And it's, to be honest with you, it's the same in the housing market, right? Like there's going to be more sales every year yeah. because more people are moving to Canada. Yeah. 
So it's an immigration-driven problem in a large part, anyway. Uh, well, yeah. I, I mean, the, the demand side is. The supply side is obviously yeah. another issue. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if we're thinking at a political level, like they, they should make those decisions in, in, you know, hand in hand. If we're going to be immigrating, we need to have a plan for creating more well, housing. The problem is we yeah. need to immigrate. Yeah. Like we wouldn't like our ec- economic system is based on it. Yeah. Like we, if we didn't have Im- immigrants coming in this country, like our GDP would be would probably be negative or, or very small. And we wouldn't growth. be able to grow it. And they need to grow because, again, the debt. <laughs> well, We've become used to this social system, right? Yeah. And the social system costs a lot of money. Yeah. So if you want to keep enjoying the benefits Canada has, and you know, then obviously we need to have people come in and, and help pay for that, and that's mm-hmm. you know what happens. And yeah. So we've got to find a way to remedy this housing situation, though, in Canada. I mean, as investors, we can look at it and take advantage and say, well. If this is happening in Hamilton, they can't keep up. We see them spreading out to well in Fort Erie. It's just a natural progression. They're going to just keep spreading because they just can't keep up. Not enough housing. It's like how Don Campbell said, you know, you drop a... a, a, Drop the stone stone stone, in the middle of the pond. Stone in the middle of the pond and it ripples ripples flutter. So you just got to follow those ripples out. I always say that because it was his most memorable quote from that book. Yeah, when I read it. Yeah, it does keep fluttering. So so what do you think, I mean, for you, is there more Hamilton in your near future or are you looking outward? So I'm looking outward. So every time I've looked outward, though, I've always come back because I found a deal in Hamilton. Yeah. And so I'll, I'll, I'll probably still be buying in Hamilton. Yeah. Uh, I like Hamilton. I'm, I'm actually hoping that I can retain some of these buildings that, uh, that you know, I have in the portfolio right now. Yeah. If that's in the cards, that'd be great. If not, then that's fine, too. Um, so we'll see what happens. If not, you'll buy. You'll buy more. Yeah. Do you have a Do you have another investor lined up that would do similar and can has the similar pockets? Uh, not similar pockets, I don't think, but similar. I'd have to put a couple people together, probably put a group together, and, and yeah. figure that out. Yeah. And once you do that, is the expectation like how would you structure when you have multiple partners in? So I'd probably do an eight percent preferred return, and then a twenty five percent equity stake. Okay, so just a combination of debt and and uh, common shares. Um, now, so you're saying all the investors split twenty five percent ownership? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're commanding a bit of a stronger deal for yourself in that in that regard. Yeah, except that now that I have the eight percent, now you get a service. Yeah. yeah. Well, here's the thing: like it gets paid out on a refinance, or it gets okay. paid out on a liquidity event. So you'll just work your butt off to to get that taken care of, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I, Hey, that makes a that makes a ton of sense. How how did you progress? Like, at what size of buildings were you doing before you got to this? Like, now you're 20 plus, typically. Yeah. I mean, how did it start for you, and how how did the evolution happen? Like, what years approximately did you really step it up? So I started buying duplexes back in I don't know, 15 years ago. Yeah. Uh, what's that? 2005. 2005, 2006. Actually, yeah. I think it was actually. We might even be closer to 17 years now. Because you wrote that that rent-to-own book right around then, right? Mm. 15 years ago or so? That was 12. It came out 12 years ago because that's when I got my real estate license. Okay. Yeah, it came out 12 years ago. Um, Yeah, so I was doing – so 17 years ago. That makes sense, timeline. Um, 17 years ago, that's when I was buying duplexes, New Market, um, Toronto – I was buying two to four units out in Cornwall. I started buying out in Hamilton – um, yeah, about 12 years ago out in Hamilton. And you now I was buying two to four units because, again, they offer 
the quickest opportunity to be able to turn units, get them vacant, renovate them. Um, I wasn't really converting anything back then mm-hmm. because you, there was enough supply that I could buy something that was horrible and just fix it. Just fix it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, no conversion needed. And then did you just have general contractors you worked with? You sent them enough business and got it going? Yep. General contractors that I worked with. I still work with some of those same guys today. Yeah. And then I stepped up into a vacant 18 unit. Um, then another 19 Would that have been like and, 10 years ago or something like that? Um, how long was 1544 King Street. Yeah, eight eight years ago maybe. Okay. Ten years ago. Yeah. Right around then. Yeah. Okay. It's gotta be. And then uh then we bought another nineteen units. I bought a couple six units side by side. I had a couple smaller stuff, like eight units and stuff mm-hmm. like that that I've since flipped out, but Okay. And what's the mindset when you go in and you buy like a you know, six, eight, ten, twelve, I guess now more like a twenty. Um, are you going in saying knowing this market i feel like it's kind of a no-brainer or are you saying there's there's ups there's downs but i think we're gonna win i get a light flutter in the stomach because it's like ooh, i'm overpaying yeah and then i always just say okay mark i, I you're gonna overpay today in five years you're gonna look like a genius yeah because they'll all say sit back and say oh wow i can't believe you got it for that price now do you feel like you're overpaying when you consider what the the real market rent should be no no, so you don't feel that way. You just mean for today, for the condition, for all the crappy tenants. That's I don't mean to call them crappy, but I mean the people who are paying a lot less. Yes. Than the, lower they, than market rents. Yeah. 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 So you so you still know good deal based on what it could be. It's just about getting from A to B. Yeah. And I I feel that too. When I look at a deal, I'm like, well, yeah, sure. If it's if it's at what it should be, then we're laughing here. But it feels like the sellers are pricing based on what it should be, not what it is. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, hundred percent. In a large way. Well, and here's the thing, right? So when it's fully finished then you're going to have your that's why you get a lower cap rate because people are paying for opportunity mm-hmm. like they're going to pay for a little piece of that upside already they yeah. need to they're, they're, you yeah. can't buy you can't buy for what it is today yeah there's no way like why would anybody sell it to you well that's just the supply and demand factor there's just not enough of it if there was more supply then you know buyers could command a better deal yeah but they like can't. 10, 10 years ago we'd go around hamilton looking at apartment buildings and be like oh let's go see five today yeah. Right. And then three out of the five would really work yeah. financially. And then you'd look at it and say, oh, and you decide which one to buy. Mm-hmm. You negotiate with all three of them. And then, you know, at the end of the day, who knew we should just bought all five. As long as you get the money for it. Yeah. Well, and the capacity. Capacity is a big thing. Ability to turn these units over. You mentioned that you obviously don't have the ability to turn everything over all at once. Yeah. Um, well, I probably could. I just have to go on a hiring spree. Yeah, well, it'd be a little frustrating. Do you have a lot of your own employees that work for these companies? No. no none of your own? It's all subbed? Yep. Okay, so what do you look for in, say, the city of Hamilton, uh, which is traditionally a rougher city? When you started there, it certainly yeah. was, and it's come a long way. What do you look for as being a sign that this is going to be a good area or is a good area? I mean, you see areas transitioning, right? Of course, um, yeah. Like you can see new restaurants coming in, like mm-hmm. art galleries. The storefronts that were boarded up are now, um, you know, there's actually shops in them. Um, you know, you see people like for East End Hamilton is where I bought a, up uh, East End. It's around Ottawa Street. Okay. But you could start to see that people were moving in for to, from Toronto to they were buying these houses like super cheap. And it started with a, a actually a street, little street called Madison, which is like um, uh, Cannon and uh, Sanford area, which for the longest time, it wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. But I, I sold three houses on this within like six months and all to Toronto buyers. Okay. 
And I was like, huh, there's actually people coming to live there. And, you know, obviously they had enough money to buy there. They were sold their condo downtown, moved there. They have, you know, yeah. and they could basically afford to live there, one person working. Yeah. And, you know, better, better lifestyle. And it's, it got me thinking, like, those are the people who are out. They don't mind going out to a restaurant. Like, they're yeah. not. I mean, that, that area, like that time, there'd be a lot of people that are on interesting drugs walking around in that area. I mean, that, you're not far from the industrial area on the north. Yeah, that, um, that, uh, the fun Tim Hortons right there at Sanford and uh, yeah. Cannon there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're not far from the Barton Center. That's uh, relatively new, though, right? The, uh, the Walmart yeah, the Power Center, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that area is transitioning so much. But that was, for me, one of the hardest things to come into that area and say, like, People want to live here mm-hmm. because it, it's been real rough. And in a lot of the houses, even I look at the build quality and it, you could tell it was a rough area from from the very beginning. Yeah. Uh, it was not a, a lot of money type of area. Now, if you go a little further south uh, down towards Main Street, you, you start to see better brick builds. And so when I started investing in Hamilton, yeah. the, the, the thing was you didn't invest north of Main Street. Didn't, and then yeah. and then six months later, it was OK, we don't go north of uh, of King. Yeah. And then a year later, is we don't go north of Cannon. Yeah. And now it's like, well, the lake is stopping us. So, Well, I don't think you really want to go north of Burlington, right? Burlington Street? Uh, if there's anything there. There's not much there. Yeah, occasionally there's that little po- couple little pockets where e- there are like e- factory then, housing. I, I don't know if you've had Alex Powell on the show or not. Um, yeah, I did, but I don't know if we got into that. Yeah, but yeah. so he has an office there now on Wentworth, yeah. north of Burlington. And yeah. it's a, it's a he has a beautiful property. And people come by, like the residents are like, oh, we love what you did. Like this yeah. was crap. And like... They take pictures yeah. in front of his place. and As long as, I guess, you can't see smokestacks, like, that's the big thing. As long as you can't see well, the industrial. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. If I'm selling it, no. I, but I, I, don't, I don't care. Like, personally, I wouldn't live there. But uh, I am talking from an investor standpoint because I think what tenants will think, right? Yep. Even telling the tenants that, you know, you're going to be up there, they'll be like, oh, I don't know. But, I mean, it's only a matter of time. Like you said, in five years, you look like a genius because you did it. Sometimes those smokestacks are going to go away because it's all going to be health and tech jobs there anyway. So. Yeah, that's the the multi-million dollar question. I know I've heard Bil- rumors. Multi-billion, trillion multi-tri- dollar question. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if they could clean up that harbor, what a beautiful place that could be. Yeah, imagine, imagine on the other side what those are worth, like yeah. on the Burlington side. Oh you know, yeah, like, yeah. Looking there. over, I mean, yeah. What's it? What's it called? North Shore. Like, yeah. oh my God, well, they pay so much money. They pay multi millions for that waterfront property. Looking at smokestacks and industry, can yeah, can yeah. only imagine. Uh, but I think that's more of a twenty-five to fifty-year horizon. One hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if we're going to care as much at that point in time. There you go. <laughs> yeah. All right, Mark. We we spent a lot of time here uh, in this room talking about we're pretending we know what's happening and where things are going. Hypothesizing <laughs> for sure. Hypothesizing. Well, I, you know, my goal with it is to not tell people what's going to happen, but to tell them the things I look for, so that maybe we can have a better gauge on what's coming. Yeah. Uh, we did just talk about it on the update. So, so for people who haven't been following that. Where do you see things going, uh, you know, in Canada in the near future? We, we did our 2021 predictions. Yeah. Uh, give me your 2021 predictions here at the start. Um, I think real estate's going up. Uh, I think at some point the stock market's going to take a little dive. Um, I don't know what that looks like, 5 10%. Um, but, I mean, here's the thing. At the end of the day, vaccine's coming. Uh, I think we're going to open up. We have to. I don't know the second lockdown that we're in right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it boggles my mind a little bit, but again, you yeah. know, it, it is where where we're living. Um, so I, I think we're going to open up. I think by summer, I think this is going to uh, we're going the economy is going to open up, and 
at least I'm hoping. Yeah. And uh, I mean, in that time, though, I think you're going to see a bit of a pullback somewhere in the stock market because it's pretty inflated. Mm-hmm. I think the real estate prices are just going to go up because uh, low interest rates. Yeah. Um, it's driving the market stupid right now. And like there's super low inventory. Yeah. And, and so to recap some of the details, we've talked about uh, 17% year over year in Canada um, increase in prices, which we both think is pretty heavily driven through interest rate drop. Yeah. Um, but also, I think we just had a lack of housing, and, and this became the opportunity. Well, there's that. I mean, yeah. so the, the so the government, instead of fixing the problem, which is supply, yeah, they're trying to fix the demand side, yeah, right, by changing like um, the 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 rules, right, to to go ahead and you know what's it called um, the stress test, stress test, <laughs> yeah. or when yeah. they take out some of the mortgages through CMHC. Or, or whatnot, right? Yeah. So they're trying to fix the demand side, which, to be honest with you, I think in Canada, and this might be the same in the States, everybody has this thought that home ownership is a necessity, yeah. right? And I think we're, like, we have one of the highest uh, rates of home ownership in the world. I think it's, it's like, like over 65% yeah. or something, right? And I think people need to get away from that and say, you know, maybe just being a renter is fine. It's going to happen. I mean, it was inevitable, right? I mean, I, I honestly, I'd rather rent my principal residence and take that equity yeah. and be able to go invest that somewhere else. I can make a heck of a lot more money yeah. than, you know, even my property going up 10% a year. I can make a yeah. heck of a lot more money on it. Yeah. Well, that's actually what I did. I mean, to start out, I, I knew I'd be able to get mortgages if I didn't own my own home here in Burlington. So I didn't. And I still don't. I still rent my, my principal so that I could buy the properties that I bought. And it allowed me to get the mortgages. It allowed me to grow that. And, you know, the negative, which we talked about before, is you don't get that tax benefit of the of the equity. Yeah. yeah. And I heard they're going to take that out anyways. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Justin. Yeah. <laughs> don't even get me started. So so we might, you know, this is where it might, might be a good idea. I mean, things to actually consider as a Canadian, which I actually am evaluating because I don't think inside the box. I think outside the box. Becoming a tax resident somewhere else, I can still spend six months, uh, just short of six months in Canada and not be a tax resident here. Yeah. Uh, so not get some of that fallout. So um, I'm going to be actively looking at markets like Florida, um, you know, where, wherever I see an opportunity. Um, and, it's, and it's a lot more affordable, actually, based on, you know, compared to incomes there. So I see some opportunities there. Um, on that note, where do you see opportunities right now? Like, what are you going to be looking at? Um, well, I'm going to put at the beginning, I'm going to take the money and put it into a market stock yeah. market options because I do some options trading, obviously. Try uh, and profit from that coming uh, downturn a little bit. Well, here's the thing, right? Um, if you know what you can, if you know what you're doing, you can make money in an up or down market. Yeah. Um, so definitely going to be doing that. Uh, I will be looking at real estate uh, here in Hamilton, outlying areas here, also Alberta. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we talked about Florida a little bit, Tampa area. I like that. Yeah. Maybe some Texas stuff, but I doubt that. And I know we briefly talked about New Brunswick as an opportunity. Yeah, New Brunswick. I mean, I've been looking out there. I just haven't found any multis that I really like. Okay. Um, and I don't think that that's a market that like has signs of booming for the reasons of industry. I think it's just affordability that that's the. It's been long underpriced in my in my view. Yeah, and I I mean I kind of think I kind of feel that getting out there two three years ago was the was the, the time was the time i mean i haven't really done the math on on the build cost i know yeah. that you you say that uh, you can still buy for under build cost which mm-hmm. if you can do that then why wouldn't you but hamilton still like that too like you couldn't build a concrete construction building for two hundred thousand dollars a unit yeah that's true i mean 
yeah, you're going to be at you're going to be at least 200 bucks a square foot on something like that to right. build, plus all your other costs and in, in, involved. So, um, yeah, still opportunities there. I think it's just where's the most obvious. Like I look at like how much effort do I have to like if I have a cash flow goal, yeah. the effort I have to put in to attaining that goal in Hamilton versus in New Brunswick doesn't even compare. Well, 100. percent And and for me, real estate is never cash flow. Mm-hmm. Real estate for me has always been cap or a net worth builder. Net worth builder. Yeah, I make enough cash flow from other businesses. So and yeah, you've from- got the realtor business. You've got your restaurants. You've got your uh, your options trading. Options trading is that your primary income? Would you say? Um, so basically now uh, my realtor is incorporated. So mm-hmm. that that is my biggest source of uh, personal income from the options trading. From the options trading. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, you're. Uh, tell me a little bit about that, like how you got into that, and what, what you're uh, what you're up to now. Yeah, so I met Omar from Theta Trading at Rain, like, eight, well, eight ten years ago, whatever that was, and then, um, you know, he kept bothering me. Hey, you gotta check this out. You gotta check this out. Finally, I said, okay, what do I need to do? He's like, read these two books. So uh, number one was Derek Foster. Yeah, money, um, money, money for, for nothing, nothing stocks yeah. for free. Which if you guys are gonna buy it, don't buy it off Amazon. Buy it off StopWorking.ca because yeah. you get it for twenty bucks instead of fifty. Um, yeah. And then uh, Lee Lowell, Get Rich with Options. Mm-hmm. So I did that. He, I'm like, okay, great. What's next? So he's opened this trading account. Okay. What do I do? And he's like, put 10 grand in. Okay. So I put 10 grand in and started playing. And we had a, we had a group with like five or six of us in there trading type thing. Yeah. And um, I basically started it. I was like, wow, this is not that hard. Uh, you know, I made some money. I lost some money. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically, I started to learn and it took me a year before I really ramped up. So, yeah. so you kept it around 10 for I kept for it around 10. I got it to like 13 or 14 in that first mm-hmm. year, which is a great return. Yeah. And then, but I, you know, I obviously was up, down because I wasn't trading with, I didn't have a plan. No, no specific fundamentals. Right. Okay. So then it was like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. And so my first three months of the next year was like, okay, this is working. And then I went ahead and so I started dumping more money in. So I had money in second mortgages at the time. So anytime a second mortgage came back, I just yeah. put the money into the trading account. Okay. So you grew it up, and and then now it's it's taken a whole new shape uh, yeah. to to where you've got enough money in there that it's an easy income for you. Yeah. So now it's an easy income, and you know I've even positioned or I've pivoted that again where I'm uh, I took charting with uh, Mikey Ilano. I've had him on the show a couple times where it's like okay it's being more not not as it's not as gut feeling right it's like okay here here's this here's what's happening yeah okay it's gonna it should go up from here let's let's do something let's buy a call sell a put mm-hmm. sell a put if we or buy a put if we think yeah. it's gonna go down so where does uh because i've read both those books and i didn't really feel like i knew how to pick stocks i've never been a stock investor and yes i understood you know the the tactic but i didn't i didn't really have a great gauge on how to pick a a stock so where would you say the average person should go to if they wanted to to learn more about that to start with start where i did it's you know pick good dividend stocks that if you had to own them anyways yeah it wouldn't be that bad yeah Um, so like an apple computer or something like that Apple computers um i don't know Enbridge, although that might not be so good with Keystone not going through, yeah. um, you know, there's so you know, everyday names I- like Intel. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole bunch of stocks out there like banks, that type of thing. Canadian banks are obviously very good. Um, yeah, and you can just sell puts on them, and and yeah. you know, and if you, you make, get- make a little bit of money by selling puts on them, a little bit at a time, yeah. kind of selling that insurance yeah, like policy. One of my first yeah. videos I did on the channel, I think I did a, a Royal Bank 
call yeah. where I showed how much money I made just on Royal Bank. Yeah. And it was like, you know, 7% over the course of three weeks. Okay. Is that that's up on your YouTube channel? I think so, yeah. I, I got to check that one out. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's even just using that app, I find I'm like, what am I looking at right now? Because <laughs> well, I got it just for like paper trading. Like I was just going to mess around with it. Yeah. And uh, it's a lot. It's I'll a lot at first. i tell you to put 10 grand in. Yeah. Get a, get a watch list going. Yeah. Get Once you get a watch list going and you become familiar with it, like you yeah. start to see what see the stocks the will do and the pattern yeah. and that type of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I just got to start. I think, you know, for, for me as a real estate investor, it's so funny because I interview so many people that are doing it. And it's just such a weird anomaly to me that so many people are all doing this. There's obviously something to it. We're entrepreneurs at heart. So this is why people go to opportunity. I'll tell you why a lot of people yeah. do it, or at least why I love doing it. Yeah. Is, I mean, in the real estate world, like as in my real estate sales business or mm-hmm. in the, you know, investment business, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. With options, there's no people. Yeah. So you can do this literally from anywhere in the world. Yeah. Like I could be on a beach in Costa Rica right now trading options. That's true. Yeah, and uh, and predictable income or you're you obviously know there's a variance. You might lose 100 grand one month and then be up 200 the next or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to have a stomach for that, but it's all based on how big you play, right? No, yeah, you don't you don't go starting with a million bucks. Well, there's that and and you there's obviously position sizing. Mm-hmm. So you go ahead and size a position accordingly to your risk. Yeah. Like if you can't stomach having your account down a hundred thousand dollars in a day, then okay, don't go that heavy. Yeah. Well, and you can do a what stop loss or something like that. You can do a stop loss. Yeah. So there's there's things you can do. Anyway, we're getting advanced. Um, yeah, I just wanted to give a perspective because obviously a lot of people are doing this. Um, okay, so Mark, if people wanted to uh, to look into you more, follow you, where should we send them? Uh, Living the dream forty on Instagram, the Mark Loeffler experience on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I'll include both of those. So, so people can find you and, uh, yeah, the, uh, the Instagram handle as well. Mark, it's always great catching up you and, too, man. uh, yeah. I'm sure we'll see you next month for the market update. That's right. Um, yeah, I'll, always, always enjoy it. So, uh, anyways, thank, thanks again. Thank you, sir. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. I'll see you on the next one. <laughs>